Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. I had another book that I was going to read to y'all. And I was fully prepared to read it. And then I opened it and I noped the fuck out. Um... Maybe somewhere down the line, but not right now. It it was just it it was just too much. Like calling a five year old girl a bitch in the first twelve sentences of the book, and knowing that there might be other things that happen in the book that are even worse. Because they're talking about how dirty and grimy the book is and all that. I'm cool, and it's a three part series, so. If y'all want me to read it, I mean, hood classics are hood classics. Like, hood classics aren't always what you want them to be. They're not the easiest things to get through. They're not the cleanest sheet on the bed. Should I read it? Like, should I read it right now? Like, I'm really going back and forth in my head because I have two books. One I know I love. One is the one that I was just struggling through and nope the fuck out on. Um, Let's see. So, I did... Fly Girl, and then I did Sideways Stories from Wayside School, and now I'm supposed to do a hood classic that I'm probably going to fucking hate and make fun of, right? That's how this works, right? And I'm already fucking cussing, so I may as well go ahead and fucking do it. (sighs) Yeah, this shit is some shit. Raunchy by T. Styles. Why should my life change just because I got kids? Shit, I brought them in this world. What more do they want? Harmony Phillips. Part 1. Prologue. Summer of 1976. Fort Washington, Maryland. Harmony. Harmony. Wake up. Estelle Pointer yelled at her five-year-old daughter as she slept peacefully in her bed. Flopping down the edge of her expensive sky-blue canopy bed, it rocked violently. You hear me, girl? Get up now. Her breath reeked of her favorite poison, tonic water and vodka. The long blue silk dress Estelle wore was soaked in sweat, and her light skin wasn't painted in makeup like it usually was. Instead, she was frantic and angry. What's wrong, Mama? Harmony asked as she rubbed her eyes to see her mother clearly. Her soft, curly black hair was pulled tightly back into a floppy ponytail, and a few loose curls rounded her angelic face. Her cheeks were rosy red, like always, when she was excited for any reason. Is Daddy hurt? 
Don't worry about that shit, hussy. Just get your fucking ass up. We moving tonight, she screamed, throwing the covers off her body. The cold air attacked her naked legs. Go put some clothes on and meet me outside in 15 minutes. When Harmony appeared motionless, she said, Do you hear me, girl? Harmony nodded quickly. Don't make me fuck you up. Outside in 15 minutes. She wanted to obey Estelle by doing her best to rush downstairs, but what about her things? Although very young, she had a jewelry box full of diamond earrings, gold bangles, and gold necklaces. Like Estelle, she had become accustomed to luxury, and she wanted to know if her mother had a plan for her personal things, and she was sure she had one for her own things. Ma, what about my things? Harmony asked before getting dressed. I don't want to leave without my jewelry. Estelle turned around and smacked her in the face. Bitch, you heard me. Get dressed. Harmony jumped out of bed as quickly as her body could move, while her mother disappeared into the darkness of the house, slamming the door behind her. I hate her, she thought aloud. She didn't care what that bitch had to say. She was taking her fucking jewelry. Since she hadn't dressed herself before, because it was a nanny's job, she didn't know what to wear. So she chose to keep her pink pajama pants on and put on a white t-shirt. Then she stuffed her jewelry in her panties. I'm not ready yet, so stay in your room, Estelle said, re-entering. I'll be back for you in ten minutes. She closed the door again. What are you doing, Estelle? Leave my daughter out of this, Cornell Phillips yelled. Harmony knew what was happening without Estelle saying a word. From the argument she overheard earlier between her father Cornell and her mother Estelle, she knew that he was caught cheating with his Spanish mistress, the beautiful Irma Cruz. What Estelle didn't know was that Harmony favored Irma more than she did her, and had been with Cornell to visit her in L.A. on many occasions. It was their little secret, and she liked it that way. Besides, Estelle was too busy spending Cornell's money on million-dollar shopping sprees and notices his infidelities. Hold up. Wait. What the fuck is a million-dollar shopping spree look like? Like, just close your eyes for a second and imagine what a million-dollar shopping spree looks like. Nigga, I'm struggling to think of what I would do with $10,000 because after I spend the first six, all the rest is just extraneous. Pay bills, I guess. Like, I do some selfish shit with the first six and then the rest of that shit, yeah, it's going right back to the to the tax collector. Like, the fuck can you do with a million dollars? This ain't Brewster's millions. Like, what the fuck? When Harmony was half-dressed, she was startled again when her father crept into the room and locked the door behind him. Cornell's honey-colored complexion was reddened, and his neat processed wavy hair was now scattered all over his head. Although his hair was in disarray, he was strikingly handsome. Open the door, motherfucker! You ain't got shit to say to me or my daughter no more! Go back to that bitch! Estelle yelled, banging on the door. Kick, bang, kick! Kick, bang, kick were the sounds heard against the door. Kick is a sound? Is this... Is this Batman from the 60s? Pow! Bang! Kick! Like, what the fuck? Kick, bang, kick were the sounds heard against the door. Estelle, give me a minute with my daughter. Just one damn minute. Go back and stick your dick in that bitch, she persisted. Cornell shook his head in disgust at how she was talking around Harmony. Silence. You didn't stick to the plan, she cried, leaning against the door. Why didn't you stick to the plan? Fuck you. I'm tired of your shit, Cornell. She stood up straight. I'm not riding with you no more. Do you hear me? I'm not taking your shit no more. The yelling scared Harmony, and Cornell was trying to spare her as best he could. 
Come here, princess, he continued, sitting on a chair in her room. Estelle quieted down, but he knew that she was a hateful bitch, was undoubtedly doing something to get back at him at that very moment. Harmony rushed towards him, and he spoke in a heavy whisper. Her light skin was flushed from all the excitement. But every time she saw his face, she felt safe because he treated her like a princess. Up until that point, life had been a dream, and somehow she knew that would all change. I gotta give you life in a hurry, princess, because you might not see me again. No, daddy. Just listen. Whatever your mother says about me when you leave, don't believe her. You hear me? I want you to remember our good times together and how much I love you. And when you meet someone, if he can't afford you, I don't want you wasting your time on him. Daddy, I'm scared. Harmony began to sob uncontrollably until he caressed her back softly. I'm sorry, but your life is getting ready to change and you need to be ready. He paused. I'm going to send somebody to bring you something. When you meet him, he'll talk to you alone. Don't worry, you can trust him. But you said never to trust anyone. I know, but we don't have a choice. But where's mama taking me, daddy? What about my things? I don't want to. She'll probably go over Shirley's house. He interrupted, speaking of her grandmother. And you better never trust that old bitch because she'll smile on your face and stab you in your back the moment you turn around. The idea of her nana being so hateful frightened her. Be smart, princess. It's important that you always do a good job in school and be smart. Don't be anything like Estelle. God damn. Like, we just tearing her into pieces, right? Like, hey, before you leave this house, don't forget, your mama a bitch and her breath stink. And she got wax in her ears. You can look at it. And just her breath stink. And she a bitch. Don't forget that shit. Because bitches like her, they bitches. I love you. You said you'd never leave me. And now you're making me go with mama. A short jolt of unease pierced her stomach. There ain't shit we could do about that now, princess. I need you strong, he said, wiping his own tears away this time. I'm sorry I exposed you to this lifestyle, because now the bar is set high for you, and you'll always want more. But always remember that when you're in pursuit of money, you should never sell your soul. Okay, daddy. She's five. He smiled weakly, although his heart was breaking by the second. Listen, before you go, I have to tell you something about Estelle. She's, police, open up. Loud knocking on the bedroom door scared Harmony and rattled her father. He stood up straight and shoved her towards her white bedroom closet door. She fell on her knees, scraping him terribly. Get in the closet and close the door. No matter what you see, don't come out here, he said, grabbing her up by her arms. Then why'd you shove her towards the closet? Why would you shove her if you're going to pick her back up? Like, just hold her there and whisper in her ear, yo, go get the fuck in the closet. Don't pop out for nothing. Fucking nothing. Okay, daddy. Good. Not pushing you towards the closet. Like, like, what are we doing here? She's five. Like, her mom's calling her a fucking bitch, slapping her around. You shoving her towards the closet. Like, falcon punch. Like, what the fuck, dog? Daddy, no, I'm scared. Harmony Phillips, you do what I say this instant. He opened the closet door. Now get in that closet and don't come out. Do you hear me? Yes, Daddy. Whenever Cornell called her by her full name, he was serious, and she knew better than to disobey him. So she ran into the cold, dark closet and looked through the wooden slits. Cornell could see the shine of her eyes against the dim light in her room, and he stepped back and smiled. I love you, he whispered. 
That's why I whispered that and didn't whisper nothing else because he didn't whisper none of that other shit. So if the police are right outside the door, then they know he's they know she's in the fucking closet because he didn't whisper that shit. Otherwise, would have said he whispered. Always he whispered. She waved and wiped away the last few tears that crept upon her face. They were useless and she knew it. She made a promise to be strong and that was exactly what she was going to do no matter what. Open this door now. We have you cornered. Seconds later, the bedroom door came crashing in and five police officers wrestled Cornell to the floor. Stay down. One of the officers yelled, striking him on his head with his billy club. Don't move. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm a move a little bit when you hit me in the head with a fucking billy club. I might twitch. I might. Is that cool? Is that okay? If my leg tremors just a little bit as you cave in my dome with a fucking billy club, you're telling me to stay down when I'm already down, and then you're hitting me with a billy club and don't move. That's like my mama telling me don't cry after she whooped my ass, or she's going to give me something to cry about. What the fuck were the last 10 minutes for? What was that? Practice? Like, was that a warm-up? In these games that I play uh, nowadays, um, Call of Duty, whatever, um, the finals, that one wasn't really, but I guess I'll build up and it'll get better. But those sort of games, they have a thing where before the game starts, you go into a lobby where you can shoot people. And then after enough people are loaded into the lobby, the game starts. Like, my mama will whoop my ass. And then tell me if I cry, she's going to give me something to cry about. Like we were in the lobby for that whole whooping. Like that was the warm up whooping. She was just flexing her wrists a little bit. And now the real game's about to start. But if you want to quit, don't cry. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck, dog? I'm like, yo. <laughs> by the way, don't hit your kids. Don't fucking touch your kids. Like, yo, hug your kids, kiss your kids, whatever. Don't fucking hit your kids. Don't yell at your kids unless there's just a reason. Like, reasons why you can yell at your kids. They fucking run out into the parking lot at the grocery store where cars are speeding past. Or at the fucking mall during Christmas when cars are just zooming past. They run out into the street. That's a no! And then after you say no, then you can get on like, don't you ever! And that's just fear. That's fear. That's going to put a fear in them. They're not going to fucking ever go out into a parking lot again. You're really fucking the head up. After that, they're going to have to talk to a therapist. Like, I keep having dreams of a, of a fucking, fucking. It's okay, John. Go ahead. You can say it. I keep having these dreams of a fucking parking lot chasing me down the street. <laughs> oh my god oh my god the other four officers joined in on the abuse and struck cornell multiple times in the face neck and upper body and this is me every time they hit him they said don't move and then when he stopped moving they're like oh shit we finally got your ass one of the cops said we have the dope and everything right in your house why the fuck do they keep the dope in the fucking house i mean Young Carter was a whole motherfucker, but at least he was smart enough to keep his shit in warehouses and never go near it. Why would you keep the dope in your house? Who else did that shit? The nigga from uh, the coldest winter ever did that shit. Shit's annoying. Cut that shit out. You see, you're not as smart as you thought you were. Get that motherfucker. Don't let him get up. Estelle yelled, walking into the room. Her jaw flexed and her eyes formed tiny slits. 
She wasn't the slightest bit upset at how the officers were treating her long-term boyfriend. The only thing on her mind was revenge. He got all kinds of drugs and money underneath the house, too. And me and my baby ain't know nothing about it, neither. Nigga, what, what the fuck? Then how you know where it's located at? How you... What? Wait, what? Okay. Then she directed her attention to Cornell. And just so you know, nigga, you ain't never seen your daughter again. Ever. Bitch, I will kill you first. She ain't even... Shut the fuck up, an officer said, hitting him again. Seeing the violent officers hurt her father and hearing Estelle's evil threats about never seeing her again, Harmony rushed out the closet and hit one of the policemen on the leg with her tiny fist. She figured if she helped him that her father would be able to escape and they could leave together. But the officer kicked her off and she tumbled against a blue wall, hurting her head. Enraged and not thinking straight, Cornell mustered up enough strength to tackle the officer to the floor. Once in his grasp, he gripped his throat tightly. He gonna die. Spit escaped his mouth and his hair was drenched in sweat. It took all four officers to pull Cornell off of him. You fucking cracker! I know you didn't just hit my baby girl. I know you ain't that fucking crazy. Veins popped out of his forehead and his neck as he continued to crush the officer's windpipe. Seconds later, the officer's eyes rolled up in his head and he was no longer able to fight him. For as long as Cornell had been selling and transporting drugs in D.C., Maryland, and New York, he never took a life himself until now. Sure, he handed down orders for hundreds of men to be killed, but he had never done the work himself until that night. After all, Cornell was a boss, and bosses rarely got their hands dirty. Too bad for him that his first blood drawn belonged to a white Maryland police officer. Being so close to death, his mind raced briefly to the past. Cornell was not a man who regretted much, but he did regret the day he participated in a high-stakes poker game. Had he not, maybe he wouldn't have been in the predicament he was in. But at the same time, Harmony may never have been in his life either, and he loved her more than life. Seeing their partner's body go limp, one of the other officers shot Cornell in the shoulder, and he dropped to the floor. For your sake, you better hope he's alive, nigger! Hard R, he said, pressing his foot heavily on the fresh wound to keep Cornell pinned to the floor. The other officers rushed to their partner one by one, making the same determination that he was dead. Ma'am, you better get your daughter out of here, one of them said, giving her an evil glare. Then he leveled a dark look at Cornell. I don't think either of you will want to see what's going to happen next. So... She called the cops, obviously, but none of them are going to be like, yo, how the fuck did you know that there were drugs underneath the house and money? How you know? Harmony's jaw dropped when she saw the blood escaping her father's body. She contemplated hiding in the house until everyone left. Her favorite place was a crawl space under the stairs and sometimes a large basement. She figured after the cops left, she could still be there with her father. She didn't understand the repercussions of killing a white police officer or an officer, period. You know, my homeboy Brandon will be glad that I'm not just saying, yeah, fuck them white officers. But you, 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 you kind of choked out an officer with your bare hands. On the other hand, his partners kind of just sat there and watched you do it. Like, y'all was beating the shit out this nigga with billy clubs and shit. None of y'all could have given him a warning shot across the temple when he started choking your partner the fuck out? What kind of friends are you? Hmm. No sooner than that thought entered her mind, Estelle grabbed her by the arm and whisked her away. 
Harmony's body was pulled down the beautiful spiral staircase through the foyer with the large crystal chandelier hanging from the ceiling and then Estelle's blue Mercedes Benz with the engine running. Police cars sat in the elegant stone driveway and blaring sirens indicated the more were on their way. Estelle didn't want to be anywhere near them. Mama, please, we got to help daddy, she was crying hysterically. Ain't nothing we could do but help ourselves. Estelle removed a bottle of vodka from her purse, opened the back door and threw her bag inside. It landed on the floor. On the back seat sat a large duffel bag filled with so much money, $100 bills peeked from the sides and floated softly to the floor. Get in the car now, Estelle yelled at Harmony. We got to get out of here. But I don't want to leave daddy. Get in the fucking car, you spoiled little bitch. So another question, because they just keep popping up. You know, this is the way this game goes, I guess. Why the fuck didn't a cop follow her out and be like, hey, ma'am, who didn't know shit about the drugs but knew exactly where they were located at and the money, we got to seize that shit because, you know, it's illegal drug money and um, you can't have it. You can't. Give it back to us. Ooh, there's $100 million in this bag, huh? How are you lifting this heavy-ass bag full of cash? How'd you do it? Huh? Huh? Okay, never mind. Harmony wiped the tears from her face and quickly opened the passenger door. Once inside, she put her seatbelt on and waited for Estelle to enter the car, too. When she did, Harmony looked at her, hoping she'd explain why the police were in their home, and more importantly, why she allowed them to shoot her father. Instead of giving Harmony answers, Estelle twisted the cap off the bottle of the liquor, down half of it, and pulled out of the driveway. We're staying with Mother for a couple of days, and you better stay out of her way when we get there, too. Yes, ma'am. What'd your father say to you? She paused. Huh? Did he tell you anything about me? I mean, he wasn't fucking whispering. We know that, because it didn't say he whispered. No, Mama. You better not be lying to me. I'm not, Mama. Harmony swallowed hard and looked out ahead of her. Everything in her spirit wanted to know what was going on, but she also knew questioning her mother could be bad for her health. Looking at the sign that said, thank you for visiting Concord Manor as they exited the multi-million dollar mansion, she felt faint. At Concord, she had everything, including friends and a father who cherished the ground she walked on. Now she would have nothing. Ma, she whispered, filling her tiny chest with enough air to handle Estelle's response. What? Why, why, why did the police hurt daddy? Is he, is he dead? Irritated, Estelle pulled erratically off the road and threw her car in park. You want to know the truth? Yes, ma'am. They hurt him because he's a fucking drug dealer. He hurt a lot of people and now he has to pay for his actions. That's why. Harmony could hear her father's voice in her mind say, Whatever your mother says about me when you leave, don't believe her. Don't you believe it. She wondered if he was talking about being a drug dealer. Harmony knew her father was far from an angel. But she also knew her mother had shit with her, too. She was young, but she knew for a fact that Estelle was fully aware of what Cornell did for a living. She remembered seeing her on numerous occasions packaging the powder Harmony knew as sugar on their kitchen table. But I, I thought you knew what Daddy did. I thought you said it was okay because he was doing, he was doing it for us. Estelle's lips pressed tightly together and her brows creased. Then she looked at Harmony and said, Hussy, if you ever tell somebody that shit, I will kill you. You better never repeat that shit again. You understand me? She yelled, squeezing her forearm so strongly she could feel the bone. I will kill you. 
okay, mama. Estelle slowly let her go and said, I didn't know about none of that shit he got going on back there, but I'm glad I found out. We don't want to be anywhere near there when they lock his cheating ass up. In that instance, if it was even possible, Harmony hated her more. She couldn't understand why she was always so moody and most of all, so fucking fake. One minute, Estelle would be boasting to her friends and family about how beautiful her daughter was. And the very next minute, she'd tell anyone who would listen that she was a spoiled and ungrateful little bitch. Now she had committed the ultimate crime as far as Harmony was concerned by turning her back on Cornell. After Estelle finished yelling at Harmony, she pulled back into traffic and drank some more vodka. On the sly, Harmony examined the beautiful bench she was driving, the diamonds in her ears and the rings on her fingers. She knew immediately that her mother was a liar. But what could she do? And what could she say? She didn't have her father to protect her anymore. While her mind was on her father, the jewelry in her panties dug at her... The jewelry in her panties dug at her undeveloped mound. There's a million ways you could have said that. Like, there's a million ways you could have said that the jewelry in her panties made her feel uncomfortable. There's a million ways. For little girls, going forward, for little girls, the phrase that tends to be acceptable is crotch. Crotch. Crotch is just fine. You don't have to talk about undeveloped mound. Like, those two words together make you sound real bad, homie. I don't even know who you are, but those two words together, not the coolest thing, not the coolest combination of phrase. She was about to ease some of the jewelry out when Estelle redirected her attention towards her again. Harmony, I know you only care about your damn daddy, but you're going to have to get used to the fact that I'm all you got. So you better start showing me some respect. If you don't, I ain't got no problem putting you on them foster homes I hear about all the time. Maybe then you learn to appreciate me. She paused, looking over at her with an evil glare. So what's it going to be? Tell me now, because I'll get rid of you with the quickness. Ain't but one pussy can be in charge at a time, and it damn sure ain't yours. I'm going to try and do better, Mama. As if nothing happened, Estelle smiled and placed her hand on her leg. Good. Drink some of this. It'll make you feel better. Harmony's eyes widened at her mother's offer. She had never touched alcohol in a day in her life and was told many times by her father to leave it alone. But since it made Estelle feel better about her betrayal, she decided to see what it could do for her too. Taking the bottle slowly, she moved it to her lips. The bittersweet smell made her uncomfortable. Bittersweet smell of vodka? Of vodka? There's no bittersweet smell. Vodka smells like alcohol and bad dreams. Like bittersweet smell vodka no no but wanting to forget her problems she closed her eyes and poured a lot of it into her mouth it burned the inside of her chest and she wanted to spit it out but it was too late it had gone down her throat yuck she said wiping her mouth with the back of her hand that's nasty estelle laughed took the bottle back and said yuck now but feeling better later trust me then she drank some more herself Keep sipping on this and you won't give a fuck about shit else. Within a few minutes, she noticed that her mother was right. Suddenly, her problem seemed somewhat insignificant. Sure, she didn't want to go to her grandmother's house, which was smack dab in the middle of southeast Washington, D.C. But unfortunately, she didn't have a choice. Now, as she sat quietly in her seat, 
She felt warm and tingly all over. It would be the beginning of one of the biggest downfalls in her life. And soon, so much violence, hate, and deceit would fill her life that she would have been unable to remember this moment. What did Cornell have to tell her about her mother that he couldn't finish saying, she remembered. And what would he be sending me later? She shook her head again in an attempt to forget everything about the night. And then she remembered her last summer at her grandmother's house. Suddenly, she realized there was something to smile about after all. And his name was Jace Sherrod. Grandma Monster, two months later, Southeast Washington, D.C. Shirley Pointer owned a medium-sized brick house on Central Avenue in Southeast Washington, D.C. And although it was in a bad neighborhood, it was furnished from head to toe in expensive furniture. Each room had a huge TV, and the bathroom had a small TV bolted to the wall. Everything Shirley owned was a compliment of Estelle trying to win her mother's love. But you'd never know it to hear Shirley tell it. She made it sound as if her fat ass had bought everything on her own when the bitch didn't even have a job. It was 8 o'clock in the morning, and Estelle and Harmony were busy in the small green kitchen preparing for Shirley's fish fry, which was nothing more than a drunken fool party. Harmony, hurry up over there with those potatoes. I know you can move faster than that, girl. We got way too much to do for you to be lollygagging around, yelled Estelle from the stove. Harmony wasn't trying to ignore her mother, but she was ear hustling and could have swore she heard the phone ring. I'm not accepting no collect calls, said Shirley before hanging up. Could it have been her father? Harmony thought. She hadn't heard nor seen his face in months, and she missed him terribly. Harmony, what you doing? Get your ass over here. Oh, I'm sorry, Ma. Harmony straightened up, lifted the large blue bowl of raw potatoes off the brown kitchen counter a few feet from the stove, and walked them over to Estelle. One wrong move, and the potatoes would have toppled to the floor, angering Estelle even more. Estelle yanked the bowl out of her hands and dropped them into scalding hot water. Droplets plopped on Harmony's arm, burning her skin. Ouch, she yelled, rubbing the area that burned. That hurt. Now, there's going to be grammatical errors in this book, and I'm not going to stop to make fun of them, because what I've learned just through time is that Amazon, when they convert shit over to Kindle, they fuck shit up bad. So I don't know what's their fault and what's the writer's fault. But just to be safe, I'll still be on's publisher or your editor. I ain't publishing shit, but I'll edit it. On instinct, Estelle smacked her so hard in the face that her loose tooth fell from her mouth and bounced on the floor. Didn't I tell you to be quiet? Estelle pointed her long finger in her face. Now you're going to have your nana coming in here hollering and screaming and shit. And I'm not trying to hardly hear her fucking mouth. Everything Harmony did angered her, and it was apparent that there was no love between them. Shirley Pointer, with her large, robust body, came barreling into the kitchen, swinging her meaty arms back and forth. Her dark skin was ashy, and her eyebrows were pulled together in anger. I know y'all not crazy, she yelled, her lips pressed closely together. The old, smooth, black bullet wound on her face glistened against the ceiling light. The fuck is going on around here, and why the fuck is y'all making all this noise in my house? If Preston was here, I'd have thrown both y'all asses out in them streets. Preston was her boyfriend of two years who only came over when her refrigerator was full and her attitude was nowhere to be found. He could put up with a lot of things, but fussing and cussing was not one of them. Sorry, Mama. Harmony done fell and knocked a tooth out of her mouth. You must have heard her when she yelled, she said, picking it up off the floor. In Shirley's presence, Estelle acted like a scared child. What you mean, she said, walking up to Harmony. She squeezed her jaws, forcing her mouth open. 
After examining Harmony's tooth, she pushed her away using her jaws, causing her to stumble backwards. You sure you ain't hit this child? You never did have much in the way of patience when it came to kids. No, mama, it was all her grown ass. Well, I'm going to have to ask your daddy for some money to get this fixed. The next time he call Collect Estelle, accept it and tell him we need some money to fix her mouth. He don't want to talk to me and he locked up. And he don't have to talk to you, but he still got a child here and access to money too. I guarantee it. What the fuck happened to the bag of money that her mama brought in? Harmony knew neither her tooth nor her hands would see any parts of the money if Cornell bothered to give it to either one of them slick bitches. How it happened anyway? She was trying to help me make the food for the party tonight when she fell on this here stove and bust her mouth open. Ain't that what happened, Harmony? Harmony was in so much pain she wouldn't dare say anything to the contrary. Yes, ma'am. That's what happened. Well, I don't care. If y'all don't get it together, there's going to be problems. You ain't got your little maids waiting on you hand and foot in Concord Manor no more. You in my house now. And around here, everything has to be cared for personally, including my peace and quiet. Shirley waddled back in her bedroom, and Estelle continued about the meal nervously. It was easy to bully Harmony, but when it came to standing up to her mother, she failed miserably. All Estelle's life, Shirley belittled her and made her feel as if she could never stand up to her brother Charles, who was locked up for raping... Okay. This is the book we got, ladies and gentlemen, so I'm going I'm to do this. But this house is on some precious type shit. Even worse than precious. This is just... Okay. All Estelle's life, Shirley belittled her and made her feel as if she could never stand up to her brother Charles, who was locked up for raping his seven-month baby girl, killing her instantly. In Shirley's mind, Charles is a good man put in a bad position by his wife, Carmel. To hear her tell it, had Carmel bathed her own baby instead of asking Charles to do it, little Debbie Pointer would still be alive today. No, in Shirley's mind, Estelle could never measure up, no matter what she did, including giving all of her money to her that she had stolen from Cornell. There it is. That's where the money went. Okay. Also, what the fuck? Although Shirley Pointer ridiculed her only daughter, this bitch was far from an angel. In fact, Estelle was a product of her freak whorishness. Many years ago, before Estelle was born, Shirley was supposed to be working for the Whitesdales, a wealthy white couple in Maryland. She was a family maid, yet she gave extra special attention to Todd, Miss Beverly Whitesdale's husband. At the time, Shirley was very beautiful with her wide smile, large breasts, and cooking skills, which could put the meanest beast under her trance. But her real skills were in the bedroom because Shirley had sucked and fucked her way into some of the most prestigious homes in D.C. and was a rich white man's secret. In fact, they shared her amongst themselves, no man being allowed to keep her longer than a year. But when Todd got greedy and extended his time to two years, not being able to part with the way Shirley wrapped her mouth around his dick, one of the husbands in the secret club got mad since he was next and secretly told Miss Whitesdale, at the time, Shirley was four months pregnant by Todd and barely showing when Beverly walked up to her in the kitchen and shot her in the head. The bullet didn't enter her skull and took no more than a few months to heal. But the gig was up because none of the wives wanted her in their homes. So she lived off welfare most of her life and officially sold pussy from time to time to make ends meet. But on January 16, 1968, her hardships ended altogether. 
because that was the day that her beautiful daughter Estelle went to a cabaret and met DC drug lord Cornell Phillips. Wait, let's see if there's a timeline here. Beautiful white smile. Before Estelle was born, she was working. No, no timeline given. Okay, okay, okay. Five hours after Harmony's tooth was broken, Shirley's large brick house was packed with every cousin's uncle who got an informal invitation. Moochers, greedy bastards, and fake friends didn't mind filling every available seat and floor space in the house. And Shirley made sure her white Cadillac and Estelle's bins were washed and sitting in front of the house to represent luxury. Estelle, bring me some more gin and some ice, too. Estelle, who was already running back and forth for her mother and her friends, sighed heavily. Had she thought with her mind and not her heart, she would have never betrayed Cornell. At Concord Manor, she lived like a queen. And now, outside of the rings on her fingers and jewelry around her neck, no one would know she was once a hustler's girlfriend, although never a hustler's wife. Okay, mama, she said. Just give me a second to check on the ribs in the oven. Gin now. The food later. Estelle sighed and said, okay, ma. She fixed her drink and handed it to her and was on her way back to the refrigerator. And be careful with that fridge. You know it's so stuffed with food that I had to put tape on it, she bragged. Damn, Shirley. Y'all really are doing good around here, Lola said. You need another daughter? She laughed heartily before slapping her knee. Bitch, I ain't happy with the one I got. What I looks like taking in more. I heard that. Look at her. She ain't so uppity now, though, is she? Lola laughed, looking at Estelle. Estelle heard Lola, but tried to block her out. It was a mistake to give Shirley all of her money because out of the 50000 she had stolen from Cornell, she only had a couple thousand left. $50,000 in 1976 is about the equivalent today of $285,000. Yeah, $285,939.59. Let's not forget the $939.59. So, yeah. You shouldn't have gave her shit. But even if you gave her shit, she shouldn't still be living where she's living. And even if she's living where she's living, she should be grateful that you're giving her $285,000 worth of money. But nah, all y'all are just wretched. Y'all some wretched motherfuckers. In the room, Harmony lied on the bed in tears, wishing her life was different. Wish she could have warned her father that her mother was working with the DEA. How the fuck did she know that? She was five. But she knew nothing about what her mother put into work two weeks after learning about his continued involvement with Irma. Now, because of... Well, that explains why they didn't come out of the money, I guess, even though they should have seized that shit up. But I digress. Now, because of Estelle's jealousy, Cornell was locked up, partially blind and confined to a wheelchair. The officers had beaten him so badly after Estelle and Harmony left that they thought he was dead. In fact, that was their chief aim, and it angered them that unlike the successful murder of their partner, Cornell Phillips was still alive. They compensated for their failure by beating him regularly in prison. Almost every bone in his body had been broken, and no matter how hard his lawyer fought, there was nothing he could do to have him moved. He killed a white man and a white police officer. In society's eyes, there were two different circumstances, both of which carried heavy penalties. Roof! 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 Harmony looked out the window of Shirley's dog, Dingo. Khalif Miller, Christian Miter, and Paco Carey taunted the dogs by throwing rocks at his face. Roof! Roof! Dingo barked at him viciously. Roof! 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 
knowing the dog was liable to jump over the gate and chase him was why they taunted him. Already young, they lived dangerously. Get your black asses away from my animals, Shirley yelled, breaking away from her party. I'm tired of you little nigglets fucking with my dog. The boys ran away laughing the entire way. When Shirley went back inside, Dingo continued to bark wildly at Harmony, who was still staring at him through the window. Although she hated Dingo, she despised her mother even more. As she moved around the makeshift bed on the floor, because the room was used for Shirley's clothes and shoes, she wished she was back at home. I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead, Harmony chanted over and over. She wanted nothing more than to laugh over her mother's grave, and she prayed for the day her wish would come true. Harmony, what you doing in here? Estelle asked, entering the room. She wiped the sweat from her brow and held the door open. Uh, nothing, Mama. Harmony shot up straight. Estelle knew something else was on her mind, so she walked into the room and sat on Harmony's makeshift bed. What she was really trying to do was catch her breath from all the running around Shirley had her doing. Sit down with me, Harmony sat. You're still mad at me, aren't you? Tears welled up in Harmony's eyes, but she didn't want to admit to her feelings. Don't worry, you can tell me the truth. Oh no, you can't. It's a trap, my nigga. It's a trap. Keep your fucking mouth shut. You can tell me the truth, she said softly. You blame me for what happened to your father, don't you? Harmony nodded and whispered, Yes, I'm still mad. An angry disposition took over Estelle and she slapped Harmony in the face. She already knew how Harmony felt, but wanted her to lie. She wanted somebody, anybody to be on her side, and she hated Harmony for not choosing to be that person. Well, come out here with me. Estelle stood up and Harmony rose too. I done told everybody how pretty you are and they can't even see you. Here come the fake shit, Harmony said under her breath, falling behind her mother. What'd you say? Estelle asked, turning around. Harmony stopped in her tracks, wondering if she could have heard her over Diana Ross's song, Do You Know Where You're Going, blasting over the speakers in the living room. Nothing, Mama. I didn't say nothing, she said, still stewing over the slap. Well, come on then. I need you to help me put these snacks on the table. These niggas done damn near ate us out of house and home. What kind of shit is that anyway? Half of them bastards ain't even bring shit. Harmony didn't know what her mother wanted from her, but she had no intentions of chiming in on her complaints. She had problems of her own, and they all involved Estelle. Harmony followed Estelle to the kitchen, and they each grabbed a plate filled with cheeses and crackers when the doorbell rang. Somebody get the door, yelled Estelle. Her hands were full, and she wasn't in the mood to be running to the door and trying to replenish the food table at the same time. Yeah, you, Shirley yelled, half drunk. Now hurry for whoever out there leaves and bring me some more gin. A cigarette burned in the ashtray next to her and the leather-bound phone book she carried everywhere sat on her lap. Fuck, she said under her breath. You want to put the stuff on the table, Mama? Harmony asked, standing behind her with the platter directly below her chin. The smells of cheese wafted in her nose and stank. No, follow me to this door first. I want to show you where I want everything to go before you fuck shit up. Harmony looked at her with an evil glare on her face. Estelle walked slowly to the door, trying not to drop the food. Balancing the tray in one hand, she opened the door with the other. Outside, there was a beautiful Spanish woman standing before her with hate in her eyes. Estelle noticed her immediately. What are you doing here? You ruined his life, you jealous bitch! Wearing gloves, Irma Cruz raised the forty-five she was carrying and blasted half of Estelle's face off. When her body dropped, Irma saw Harmony standing behind her, brain matter all about her face and fluffy green dress. 
Hearing the gun blast, Harmony's face held an evil stare, one that Irma would never forget. I'm sorry, Harmony. Please forgive me. Irma dropped the gun and took off running. Well, yeah, this is, this is what we're in for. So, I mean, it's going to be ratchet. It's going to be ratchet. Like, as uh, uh, shit. It's going to be some shit. I mean, I just gonna have to, I just, I just gonna have to steal myself towards this shit. It's gonna be ratchet. And it's also gonna be ratchet in a way that reminds me of Horson in a way that they were abusing kids. And I don't like that. But I don't quit books. Nine one six six three three one five three seven. Ratchet and ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Leave a review on Spotify. It takes like 13 seconds. You can also leave a review on Podchaser and then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app and into the Apple Podcast app. Thank y'all so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm Hodge Letter. Peace. and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my name,